Colossians 3, 1 through 10, it says, Therefore you have been raised with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with Him. So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth. Sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. You also lived your lives this way one time when you used to live among them. But now put off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with, his, with its practices and have been clothed with the new man that is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. So we're supposed to, live, we're supposed to be new people and live new lives because we're new people. I did a little reading on uh, William Borden, who they mentioned at the beginning of the video. And he's, uh, his father, who's also named William, got rich in silver mining, but then you probably have heard of him, would recognize his, the name better from the Borden Company, Borden Inc., that makes like the condensed milk. and They make tons of products. They have all sorts of stuff. They have uh, Cracker Jacks is part of that company. Um, the Weiler's Bullion Cubes, if you ever made soup or whatever, Elmer's Glue, I mean, lots and lots of stuff. So it's, you know, millions and millions and millions, maybe billions of dollars, I don't know. But William Borden was the third son of William Borden Sr. He went to college, he went to Yale, so he's, you know, big time college, went to Princeton Theological Seminary. And the students, the other people reported in college, he was a very spiritual person in college. He was leading others to Christ and being a faithful leader as a student. And he could have gone anywhere to preach. With those credentials, he could have been, he could have done whatever he wanted to do. But he chose to go where Christians were probably welcomed the least. And that was in the Middle East, in, in China, and in those areas where, where it's illegal in some places to be a Christian. And Christians were killed. And, and he went where he was appreciated least, to the least of these my brethren. That's where he went to preach. And, and he didn't live much longer. He got sick and he died but he left you know he could have lived in opulence he could have been part of the company he could have lived he he left a million dollars that's what he had i guess bequeathed it to a china inland mission and to other christian agencies there where he was working and that one million dollars back in 1913 and because of the inflation that would have been about 24 million dollars in today's dollars that he decided to, to you know, that's where his his heart was 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 growing an expanding mission. And so after his death, they found his Bible and they gave it to his parents. And in it, they found the words, no reserve. And the date that he wrote no reserve was shortly after he renounced his fortune. Instead of living within his family's money, he went off to preach and he wrote no reserve. And later, he wrote another word that said no retreat. And that was dated shortly after his father said that he would never let him work in the company ever again because he renounced his standing as a as part of the Borden Inc. and went to be a missionary. His father said, well, you're not, you're basically, you're out of the family then. And he said, no retreat. He wrote that in his Bible. And then shortly before he died in Egypt, he added the phrase, no regrets. And that was his life. And you, you, you can read about that, that no, re, um, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. That was his life. And they've mentioned part of his epitaph on his, in the video, but here's the full epitaph 
from his grave. It says, a man in Christ, he arose and forsook all and followed him, kindly affectioned with brotherly love, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, instant in prayer, communicating the necessity of the saints in honor, preferring others apart from the Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation of such a life. And that's William Board. He lived in 1887 to 1913 is when he died. And King Tut, who we've all heard of, is, is the opposite in every way. It, not just in his use of wealth, but in religion. King Tut, uh, he had other people worshiping him. He was, he was a god as, as the king of Egypt. He was literally a god in his own eyes. And he, instead of humbling himself before the one true God like William Borden did, King Tut, that was the last thing on his mind. He was letting everybody else humble themselves before him. And so obviously these guys had different views of eternity. Completely different views. Tutankhamun imagined his own heaven. And that's why he had to stock it himself. That's why the pharaohs, when they died, they had to stock themselves for heaven. So they brought all their treasures. They would kill their families, would be killed and buried with them. Their servants killed and buried with them. They had food, they had supplies, they had chariots and boats and gold and all everything. They had packed into their, their graves with them because they thought that they could take it with them. But that's as far as it went, was to be buried in the ground. And most of it, you know, a lot of those tombs were robbed and people stole all the treasures out of it. And Tutankhamun was amazing because they found it unrobbed. But he was buried with all that earthly treasure because that's where his heart was. He thought he, you know, that's where his, his spirit was directed. And Borden, on the, other, on the other hand, understood that the real treasure was in knowing God. The real treasure was in other people being able to know God. And that's why he dedicated himself to doing that work. So his heart was invested in the real heaven. It wasn't some imaginary place where he had to stock it himself. It was the real heaven where God is the treasure, where, you know, which is why his life was lived in submission and surrender to God's will. And, and so today, Borden has been promoted to a ruler in heaven, Whereas the ruler, Tutankhamun, has been, he's made himself a permanent slave to death and suffering. And in Revelation 20, starts off like this. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. And the angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for, and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him a thousand years. So there's, a, there's this totally opposite shift from the world, the way the world sees as investing your life into the stuff that you want, you know, into the American dream. Whereas God says, no, you need to focus on eternity because things are a whole lot different. You serve here and you rule in heaven. And if you rule here, you're not going to like what you're going to. A day is coming when God is going to put everything right in its proper place, the way it's supposed to be. And a lot of people whose lives are invested in the things of this world rather than in God's eternal kingdom are in for a big surprise. 
and those who have given everything, who have given their all, who have sacrificed everything in order to proclaim the truth of Jesus, those are going to be the ones who get the, who gain the most in eternity. Those are the ones going to be the ones who are at the highest positions, who have given everything up to serve God. And, and this isn't just about checking off a good deeds list. This isn't just, it's, it's, it's a way of life that is lived. It's, it's, it's because of the kind of person that you've become in Jesus. It's not because you do things. It's because of who you are and out of who you are is what you do and what you say and what you give. It's, it's, a, it's, a, like, it's a life of joy and thanksgiving. And out of that joy and thanksgiving comes your service, comes your surrender, comes your, your generosity. And, and, and it's expressed love because of what God has done in your life. Because of the grace that God showed us it overflows into other people. And it's, and, and it's because we're transformed by that grace. Ephesians 6 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. It doesn't matter what you have here. It doesn't matter how much you, you make. It doesn't matter how much you save up. It, none of that matters. What matters is where your heart is. Are you serving God, regardless of your position, regardless of your financial situation? Are you serving God with all you are? And despite of a lot of confusing arguments and conflicting statements from all sorts of people, in the church and out of the church, the, about the Bible and what Christianity is all about, it's an extremely straightforward concept. The, the Bible makes God's good news plain and simple. As plain and simple as it gets. Romans 2 uh, at verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing what is good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. It's not about praying the right prayer. It's not about earning enough spirit points to get into heaven or or going to the right church. It's definitely not about what you put in the plate for the offering. It's it's none of that stuff. It's about dying to yourself and living for God. It's about a transformed life because you've been saved and transformed by the grace of God and you just give yourself over because, because Jesus, the Son of God, set us free from the power of sin and death. So we live new lives in Christ. And, and that's what it's about. It, 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 and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. All that matters is that you give your heart to Jesus fully and completely because He gave Himself for you. And, and that's what it comes down to. That's the, the plain, simple truth of it. And when you give yourself to God, then, then everything you do, everything you say, everything that you give comes out of what God has done within you. Luke 6, verse 20 says, Then Jesus turned to His disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry, now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you 
who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. The whole idea is that the better we know Jesus, the more we become, we become like Him. And the more we, we give of ourselves like Jesus did, the more we get out of life. It's not, you know, you've, you've probably heard people talk about prosperity gospel where, you know, you give some money and God will give you money back. That has, that has nothing to do with the Bible. It, it has to do with God has given us life, real life. And so we realize that Jesus was willing to pour out His life for us and so when we pour out our lives for others, we're living like Jesus. And it's not just because it's a task to do. Jesus did it for the joy set before Him. His joy was in us being saved. So our joy comes from helping others to find Jesus. It's a joyful thing. When we pour ourselves out, when we give of our time and our talents and our money and, and ourselves, we get joy not because we're, we're just doing what we're told, but because that's the, that's the way God made the world. When you give yourself so that others benefit, you get joy out of it. And, and so it's not just so that we can get some treasure in heaven at some time. I mean, obviously we get rewarded for giving ourselves to God, but the, it's, it's, it's more like the more, the more we know Jesus, the more we love Jesus, the more we realize how giving of ourselves and loving other people like Christ will bring joy now will bring peace now. And, and you get more out of that than you could get in a million lifetimes of serving yourself. The world says, serve yourself and you'll be happy. And Jesus says, it doesn't work that way. The, the, the facts of the matter say it doesn't work that way. You, you look at Hollywood and, and Wall Street billionaires and what do they want? More, 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 more. They can never satisfy themselves. And a lot of them end up dying sad, pitiful, lonely lives. Luke 6 says, Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you'll be truly acting as children of the Most High for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. I think part of what, he- what makes heaven so good, just part of it because the main thing is God, but also the fact that it's populated by people who have chosen to be compassionate all the time. People who have chosen to be servants. People who have chosen to love. And it's not because of the situation they're in or the people around them. It has nothing to do with the life that in the world that we're surrounded by. It has to do with who they are and what God has done in their hearts. And because of what God has done in them, they're, they're full of compassion and they're full of love and they're full of joy. Imagine a place where everyone has chosen that lifestyle. That's part of what makes heaven so amazing. I, I, I know the video dealt a lot with financial giving but if that's all you get out of it you've missed the point our financial giving is supposed to simply be an extension of who we are in jesus and everything we say everything we do everything we give comes out of who we are naturally if you don't like that guy said if you don't really trust in god you're not going to give if you do trust in god you're going to give just because that's what you believe Whatever you believe always comes out in what you do. It always comes out in what you say, regardless of what you claim. If you truly trust in God, you're going to do what He says. And that means being a giving person, being a generous person. And, and so if we are truly grateful for God, for who God is and what He's done for us, then we can't help but give 
joyfully. We can't help but give thankfully. We can't help but give generously because of what he's done in us. The, the tithing, I think a lot of people confuse tithing. Tithing literally, the definition of tithing is, is giving 10%. That's where tithe means 10%. If you're not giving 10%, if you're, if you're giving less than that, you're not tithing. If you're giving more than that, you're technically not tithing. So just when, when anybody says tithing, that means 10%. But that's a lot of people focus on that as the goal. You know, if I get to 10%, then I've met the mark. But the truth is, that's the, that's the starting line, not the finish. When God told the people to give for the, the tabernacle when the Israelites were in the desert, and they said, we need supplies and materials, they gave so much stuff that people said, stop, we've got too much stuff, you've got to stop giving. But the people were so thrilled about what God was doing and that He was going to live there with them. They wanted to give. They were happy about it, excited about it, because God was coming to live on a box in a room inside a tent. We should be that much more happy that God is willing to live inside of us, to live through us, and to, to, have, to make His abode in our hearts. So our giving ought to be that much more exuberant. Not just, I mean, obviously the money, that's just part of it though. It's the who we are and, and how we give and how we treat other people and how we live our lives. And, 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 and knowing this, you know, we do it with boldness. Not like, oh, I hope I, I can afford to give this much. It's we do it with, with knowing that we're building up eternal treasure, but also motivated by the fact that God wants to work through us. He's chosen to work through us. He's chosen. We've been given so much compared to the rest of the world. None of us. I mean, we, we are all at different levels financially in this room, I'm sure, but none of us are unable to give to God. Everyone in this room is able to give of themselves to God in one way or another. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's in money, a lot or a little. And, but that's also in who we are and, and how we can reach out and share the gospel to other people and how we can commit our time to we, we do stuff at the Rockford Rescue Mission where we support the missionaries that are on the, the post on the poster board and back it's the when I went to Africa I lived in Africa for a short while and there were kids who were dying because of vitamin deficiencies if they could have had a Flintstones a day they would have lived there were kids who were going blind because they didn't have vitamin A if they could have had a carrot once a week they wouldn't have gone blind I mean, there are people living in that kind of situation where, where parents would have children and they would just assume that some of them were going to die because they didn't have the proper nutrition. And, and, and I, we have so much compared to that. We have, the, the, I read a story once about Tony Campolo, who's a, a sp- Christian speaker, and they, they wanted him to pray that there was a missionary there and they wanted Tony to pray for $4,000 because that's what the missionary needed for some sort of emergency. And Tony said, I can't pray that. I, I won't pray that because God has already provided. What I'll do is I'll give you everything that I've got in my pockets. And he had like $15. He said, this is all I have in my pockets. If everybody here will do that, God has already provided. We just need to let it go. And they thought he was just trying to make a point. He said, no, I'm serious. And so the, the person on stage said, well, I've, okay, I've got... Forty dollars is all they've got, and the people in the audience said, "Well, they put all that they had. They had more than four thousand dollars amongst them." And he said, "God has already given us what we need. We just need to let loose of it and share it." And that's the and everything in on earth belongs to God. Everything in heaven belongs to God. It's His kingdom. 
So like the treasure that we're supposed to get, it's still all His. So we're just living in His kingdom and managing His property and, and sharing His money. And we need to be stewards. And you know, our, our goal isn't to be like Scrooge McDuck. You remember Uncle Scrooge in the cartoons and he's swimming in his vault and he's got dollar bills and gold coins and that's His, that's his joy. And, and some people think that that's what I'm going for. That, that's not heaven, what heaven is about. That's pavement in heaven. It's what we do is we realize the true joy of being able to use that for a good purpose. Because it really it just goes through our hands and that's it. It's gone. It doesn't really help us. Gold cannot do anything for you. It's just a rock. Paper dollars cannot do anything for you. It's just paper. It's the use of it and, and what we do with it that makes the difference. And when you, when you realize that there's a true joy in giving and using it for God's purpose and using it for growing the kingdom and using it for, for helping the missionaries around the world and using it to feed the poor and help the prisoners and, and the widows and the orphans and all that, when you use it for good, it's the joy that's built up. It's like the parable of the talents. You know, the, the, the master gave the servants some money. You know, ten talents and five talents and one talent. And some of them produced a return. And the, the reward, when they, when they gave the master a return on his investment, the reward wasn't a, a cash money reward. It wasn't a bonus. Their reward was more responsibility. You were faithful with ten talents? Guess what? I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. You were faithful with five talents? I'm going to put you in charge of five cities. The guy with one, he buried it in the ground, says you were unfaithful. Guess what? You're losing it all. And I'm going to give what you had to the other guys. Because you just were unfaithful. It's not about money. God doesn't need cash. It's about faithfulness and commitment. That's He's trying to build us into new people. The servants, you know, they, they, God's plan for us is not the American dream of retiring with lots of money and sitting on our porch drinking lemonade. That, that God's plan for us is, it's, it's not vacationing. It's not golfing like the president spends most of his time doing. It's, it's our, God's plan for us is to be in service of the king in greater and greater and greater capacity. To see that we're faithful a little so we can put us in charge of more, to then put us in charge of more, to then put us in charge of more, to make us more and more like him because that's what he does. He is in the business of helping people, of restoring lives, of making the world a better place, and he could do it all by himself But he said, I want you to do it. You are my children. I want you to be in my family business, making the world a better place, changing lives around you, saving people. And and the unproductive and rebellious, they aren't punished because the king wants money. The the, the silver in the story is not, it's a metaphor for people. It's for eternal souls. It's about investing in eternity because lives last for eternity. And God wants as many as possible to be living in heaven in the goodness of His love and, and, and returning that love and sharing that joy with Him. It's about growing the kingdom of God by rescuing people from hell. And, 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 and the people who don't care about the souls of the damned, who aren't willing to, to do anything to help save other people, even though they have, were saved from hell themselves by Jesus Christ, it's, it's not very hard to see why that's such an affront to God, why the the one who was made flesh and was allowed himself to be cr- tortured and crucified in order to give us freedom from sin and death, and then we're not willing to reach out to our brothers and sisters who need the same thing. Why? Yeah, that's why God is so mad about that 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 people would not invest themselves into saving people. God is helping us to become like Him, and 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 what does He do? The the ultimate power in the universe that that He can. Anything he wants, he can just speak it and it's there. Anything he wants to do, he can just do it. 
He can just say it. He can imagine it. And it happens. But what does He choose to do? He could do whatever His heart desires. And what does He choose to do? He chooses to use us. He invested Himself in building us up. He made sacrifices that we, will, that we probably will never fully understand in order to benefit our lives. You and me. And it's not like He needs any of us to do anything for Him. But He wants us to, to do the same thing. To model ourselves after Him. He's found joy in helping us to reach our full potential. And He's designed our universe so that when we help other people find their potential, we find the joy in it too. That's what life is about. And that's what we're called to do. To reach out. He understands better than anybody that our greatest joy will be found in being just like Him. In the creativity and the building and the helping and the giving of other people to come to know Jesus Christ. To find His saving grace. Not only here on earth, but also in heaven forever. Of course, in this world, much of our effort goes into damage control. Because a lot of people have, have, have broken themselves. You know? So we have to be out, and a lot of people have been hurt and, and torn down. So we're out there helping the poor and helping the widows and the orphans and the broken and the lost. But in heaven, all those kinds of problems will be solved. We don't have to do damage control in heaven. In heaven, our, all our efforts, everything you do will be building on something already solid rather than repairing the broken stuff like we do here on earth. In heaven, it's building on something that's already built. So your love will never be spurned. Your efforts will never be wasted. What a dream it would be if every time I preached, every one of you went out and did something about it. That's what heaven is like. If every, when you people have gone out and talked and shared your hearts with other people and told them the gospel, if those people said, yes, I want Jesus too, and they went out and told somebody else, that's what heaven is like. When people just, they know God, they know that He's so good, and so they do what He know, what He said because they know it's good for them. I mean, we wouldn't have room in this church. We wouldn't have room in all the churches in Rockford if everybody just did that. And, and you know, did what we're called to do because we truly trust in God and we know that His good plans for us are going to reward us. So it, that's the kind of reward God is preparing for us. So that our efforts, because we're always going to be working, we're always going to be doing something, but it's going to be work that we love to do because it's always making something good and we get so much. I mean, when you've done, when you've built something or accomplished something great, don't you feel good? When you reach out and you make a difference in somebody's life, don't you feel good? That's what heaven is about. To, to keep building on that, growing on that. That's the kind of reward God is preparing for us. To be able to accomplish things we never dreamed of because we've learned not to waste our potential. And because we've learned to see the world through God's eyes and to see the hope and the possibility in every person, in every situation, and never to give up. And, and God's influence in our lives is to stretch us to be the very best that we can be. The best servants, the best leaders, and godly people through and through 100%. Because that kind of the best kind of communication can be achieved with God when we've learned to see like Him. To understand like Him. To... to to get what He's trying to do in the world and, and to know and be known by our amazing Creator. And ultimately, it, it's God who is the greatest treasure and the greatest reward. And when we see that and we finally invest ourselves completely with Him, we get that great reward right now. And the more we're like Him, the more we can understand Him and the more satisfaction we get out of life right now, the more joy we gain right now, the more peace we have out of being in a relationship with Him. Does that make sense? Have you ever had a friend who just clicked with you. You know, they, before you said what you were saying, they understood what you were talking about. 
Jenna laughs at me all the time when my friend Will calls me up because we just make goofy noises on the phone because we know what each other are talking about. We laugh before they finish the other sentence because we know where it's going. If you, have you ever had that kind of a relationship? That's what God wants with you, where you just click, where you know and you're on the same page and you're working together and it's a joy and it's fun and you're doing something great. God wants to share that kind of intimacy and that kind of trust and that kind of joy with you and with everybody around you. And He's called us to open the door. He's called us to make the investment, to pour. He's poured Himself into us so that we can pour ourselves into others. The question is, do you want that with Him? Do you want what God wants? Do you really trust Him? If you do, repent from your sins. Walk away from the world. Let go of the worldly stuff. Turn your whole life over to Jesus and say, whatever you want, God, it's yours. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. You, you give the command, God, and I am there. You do that, you find out what amazing grace is all about. You find out what true peace is all about, what, uh, what joy is unceasing joy is all about. I hope that was worth waiting a little while for. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that You are that you found joy in giving for us and that that's what You created us for, to find joy in giving for You and reaching out to the world and making a difference. God, help everyone in here to see the joy in that, not only in belonging to You and being saved by You, but in sharing that with other people, in sharing our, our who we are that who you've made us to be in, in reaching out to help other people, to, to help the poor and the broken and to, to serve our enemies and to serve those who persecute us and to, and to, to reach out to missionaries and to, to, to support the church and all those things that you've called us to do. Not because it's just a list of things to do, but because we can find joy in it. We can find our reward of, of peace and your presence and a relationship with you. God, help us to know your joy when we live like you and give like you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.